Motasa Pakavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namo Tasa Pakavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namo Tasa Pakavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Bhutang Dhammang Sankang Namasami So it's the observance day today and the time where we recollect our commitment to our discipline and our aspiration. And as always, we, our ordination, we recollect our ordination, which was both a commitment to live by the common principles of bhikkhu training, samanera training, and then all of us in our chanting also uh, made a determination to realize Nibbana. So you have the conventional and the transcendent, the Dhamma and the Vinaya, Vinaya Dhamma. And that's the brilliance of the, uh, of the Buddha's teaching where he had the incredible patience to develop the Vinaya because it took a long time, many, many years to live in uh, to live in communities and uh, formulate uh, rules and etiquettes and legal procedures and all manner of things. So a uh, community of ordained uh, men or women could live together in harmony. And then also, more importantly or equally importantly, that his realization wasn't just a conventional undertaking, it was a, a transcendent realization, the realization of Nibbana. So we're very fortunate that way to have this this um, unique, I think unique, um, vehicle that we can uh, practice in. Certainly, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. So our Patimoka rule is, is a, a remembrance of different uh, ways that we try to be mindful within community, within uh, our own personal practice as we take care of our requisites, as we speak with ourselves, or speak with lay people, as we um, live this life, and then also um, just a sense of, of a commitment to continue to try to refine that that uh, that discipline, that vinaya, try to understand it more deeply, uh, and especially as it pertains to our own quirks and our own personalities. So that's quite uh, it's a it's a common undertaking. It's a personal undertaking. It's a common undertaking because we're living by the same principles. It's a personal undertaking because each of us has our own. Um, strengths and weaknesses around that. And as I was saying a few weeks ago, we we need a tremendous amount of patience with each other because we are works in progress. And um, to expect any of us to suddenly uh, be perfect and be beyond the asavas would be a bit much to ask. So always that within our rule keeping, there's always the compassion uh, to realize that there are errors in judgment, errors in speech, 
theirs and thinking and it's just they're very normal. But our aspiration in terms of Vinaya is to, to acknowledge acknowledge our, our shortcomings and then within that acknowledgement then to aspire to be more careful, more mindful. And that was our our uh, our recitation today. And that's very beautiful where you where one acknowledges one doesn't just judge oneself all the time to say I'm imperfect or something like that, but one actually acknowledges the uh, the difficulties one's having in the practice, difficulties one has in speech, or the difficulties one has in relating to the Vinaya rules. And then that that honesty and that integrity um, to to then aspire to practice more diligently. So it is an honor code. It's a, it's a it's a discipline which uh, is there's no one policing us around this. You know, there's no policeman coming at us. So it's a code of honor. It's an honorable tradition. It's an honorable practice. And so I think we can take heart with that. You know that this is a very meritorious. This is a very good, a very wholesome to do. This. So many people are in the world are doing this. So sometimes we can be very uh, self-critical and, and uh, judgmental, perhaps, about our, our faults and our weaknesses. And it's good to have a sense of self-reflection, but not to be too harsh, too demanding, too um, unkind to ourselves. To see that as long as we are aspiring uh, to, to be more, more careful, then that's, that's what we can do. But we still have our karma. We still have our quirks and powerful energies that come through us. And then the Dhamma, um, the, the aspiration to the transcendent, is what we ordain for. If we didn't have the Dhamma, then it would just be Silabhata Paramasa, belief in rites and rituals. And that would be pointless. Just a, a bunch of rule-keeping. Uh, but without the rules, of course, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be bhikkhus. So we have the the structures of an eye and then the transcendent realization. And the transcendent realization is comes to us in various ways in the teachings and and of course we always emphasize the Four Noble Truths. So last time I think I spoke I, I, I tried to really emphasize the the three types of um, craving, bhava vibhava and kamatanha and and to, to take those really, really deeply so again, if you take bhava tanha, bhava tanha again, how many what are the different ways it comes up in your mind? Bhava could be catastrophizing. Always, it's an interesting word in English, catastrophizing. Always seeing the, you know, how bad it's going to be. This decision I've made, or this looming uh, meeting I'm going to have, or this illness which I seem to have, these symptoms which seem to be indicate that I have something or other, the sort of catastrophizing of the mind, that's a, a future bhava becoming, fantasizing, fantasizing something, um, um, creation, creating possibilities, creating experiences, creating places I'm going to be and do and 
things I'm going to make, the inspiration of creation, the, the fun of creation. Um, just uh, in meditation, trying to attain to something and not seeing that that very effort I'm making is fraught with bhava, bhava tanha. Uh, trying to produce or repeat something that I have um, experienced before in meditation, trying to get that back, trying to get some insight back. So, so many ways, and again, think of them yourselves, that bhava tanha might manifest in the mind. But what basically is it, it's that I'm not really with the present moment. I'm not really aware of the present moment. So that's that, just that, that recognition in the mind that, that the mind, you know, just walking along or working or whatever, just that, that recognition that this is Baba Tanha. This is a mind which is not really open to the present moment, which is not really attentive to the present moment in this way, that it is, has the sense of tension forward tension through thought and, and, and willpower, whatever it might be. Um, just the recognition of that uh, leads to the abandonment of it, if you make that determination. And the abandonment of it has to be realized. So the third noble truth is there is, there is an end to suffering, and that end to suffering has to be realized, and the end of suffering has been realized. Now you might look at that as some kind of final product where you never have any craving, but Actually, you can notice that all the time. You can really notice that in your own mind, at that point where you, you really you, you clearly comprehend the mind is now just becoming, just catastrophizing or fantasizing or, or creating or doing something into the future or just trying too hard to get some experience. And you, you notice that. You actually notice that. You see that. And, and in the noticing of that, you're noticing suffering, you're awakening to suffering, you're fully conscious to suffering. And then you're noticing that you're seeing, because you understand now, the abandonment of that. You don't go there. You let it go. And in the letting go, you very, very clearly realize this is the end of suffering. This is, this is Niroda. This is the third noble truth. And that has to be realized. You have to note that. You have to, have to claim that. You have to claim that, note that, and, and, and know that. And in that, in that knowing, there's this confidence. Yeah, this is the path. That's what it is. It's just that. Just that ending. Just that ending. Eddie. Gluson. So that's Sati Sampajanya. That's mindfulness and clear comprehension. And then we always talk about that, and it's not just some kind of um, forceful attention, but it's really understanding what's going on in the mind. What is suffering? And, and, and when I'm catastrophizing or fantasizing or planning or whatever in an endless way, then that can be known, has to be awoken to, and that's bhavatanha, bhavatanha. And then see the end of that, see how that ends in the mind. See the silence of it, see the emptiness of self in that when it ends. And you can see that, 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 that cessation has to be realized, that's very important. You note that. And then when you note that, that's the path. And that's what bhavana is about. And then that inside, of course, um, serves your the, whatever samatha object you take, whatever way of, of uh, focus you use, whatever way of meditation you use, 
you 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 realize the the cessation of of, of uh, bhavatana in this case, and then from that you pick up the meditation object from satisampajanya from mindfulness and quick comprehension. It's not just a knee jerk reaction against tanha, against the thought pattern, against the catastrophizing, against the endless becoming. It's it's just clearly this is the end, and so when you pick up the meditation object from that, from the end, from the from the niroda position, you you're really clear. You're not you're not picking up the meditation object in order to get rid of anything. No, you're picking it up from a clarity of, from not not from craving, from the clarity of knowing, the present moment. So the meditation object then becomes a way of just enhancing, the present moment awareness without craving making it very, very clear. So you learn to sustain that for lengths of time. Present moment awareness, free from, from tanha, free from tanha. And, and just those little exercises keep, keep building, keep accumulating until there's more and more power in the mind. And then vibhava tanha, again, as I was saying the other night, just that, that, that you know, so many ways we're trying to get rid of stuff. So many ways where we we just want to get rid of thought, or we're self-critical, or we're you know vibhava tanha is this kind of deep, deep, deep sense of um, just wanting to to put an end to life, not wanting life to be this way, and then all the minor manifestations of annoyance and anger and that that come up, this this kind of getting rid of and and not being patient with, so so. Seeing the the niroda aspect of vipavatana, what's that? What would that be like? Vipavatana that requires tremendous patience. You're really, really patient with that which you don't. What I don't want, that person I don't want to be here. That person who uh, I I don't want to see or notice, or that that mindset which I don't want, or the physical pain that I don't want, and that kind of wanting to get rid of it. As long as I want to get rid of that, it's still tanha. And then you notice, you notice some pain in the body, and then it's just pain. It's just pain, full, full presence to pain. And the, you notice the end of the trying to get rid of, trying to annihilate, trying to get rid of. And there's, again, that's niroda. The cessation of suffering has to be realized. And that's done through the second noble truth. The craving has to be abandoned has to be abandoned, it has been abandoned. The end of suffering has to be realized, it has been realized. So then the noticing of these things is satisampajanya, mindfulness and quick comprehension, again and again and again. And, and in, our, in our sitting practice, um, if we are very attuned to that, and we see in a more and more refined way what those are about, then, then as we sit, and we gain insight into that, then that insight informs our daily life, our walking around, the way we work, uh, the way we interact with each other. Because it's in the in the sitting meditation quite often where you really you get a really clear look at that, and then you just through through the natural factors of, of wisdom, you 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 incline towards that, you incline towards that. Kamatanha is just, just, just the, the endless preoccupation with sense experience, preoccupation all the time, the endless uh, 
thinking in positive or negative ways or um, distraction into computer stuff or, or whatever it might be, even like reading novels or whatever it might be. It's just this constant preoccupation. So the, 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 um, the attention, sati sampajanya that we use is not a preoccupation with the khandhas. It's a knowing of the khandhas as an ichidukkanata. And that's much different than just being preoccupied, because preoccupation always requires more preoccupation. So if I'm very restless, and uh, and um, you know I'm into reading a lot, then I finish one thing and I want to read another thing and I want to read another thing. That's a sign, a kind of sign of restlessness that you want, you know, where I want to read all the time. Not not wrong to want to read, but just to notice that need for always absorbing into a sense object, a need for that. And then you realize, oh, there's a, there's a pressure there, there's a tension, there's a need to go out, away from this 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 present moment, sort of out in, into the into the distracted nature of of, uh, of a sense experience. And you feel that pressure, you feel that pressure, that pulling out. And quite often, you do that when you go back to your kuti if you've been you know, been a bit busy or 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 you've, you've had a lot of interaction. You go back and you want to do something. You want to talk to someone, or to read something, then that's really important to actually sit with that. You just sit with that, that desire to, to, to absorb into a sense of object. And then you watch that, and as you watch that, it ceases. And that takes a lot of patience, doesn't it? Unfulfilled desire takes a lot of patience. And that's done through Satisampajan. It's not a rejection. It's not saying it shouldn't feel restless. It's just this movement outwards into the khandhas, into the sense objects. And as you as you see that, if you notice that, and and it's also ah, oh, it's also in the road, the same principle, just letting it cease, letting go, abandoning, abandoning that. And so those those three, those three are very important to to constantly comprehend, because if there isn't comprehension of that, then usually what underlies it is just more tanha. But the more that insight is there, the more securely you'll be able to. Um, sustain the, the object of meditation that you like to use because you're, you're becoming at it not from uh, a desire to get anything or you're not rejecting anything you're not from any kind of repressive nature but from real, real clarity real, real clarity, yeah and then then the, the, the profundity of present moment awareness becomes more and more apparent because in, in the capacity to be aware in the present moment without rejecting it without seeking anything else, the mind begins to touch places of, of stillness. Whereas, whereas the craving mind, the excited mind, or the uh, averse, the, the rejecting mind, the becoming mind, those are, are obviously very restless kind of uh, energies which, which don't, are not conducive to stillness, are not conducive to, um, to insight. And the addiction to those is, is, great, is, is, is quite powerful for us, it's very, very powerful. And sometimes the bhava can be, just goes on and on and on, it never stops. And so what? Okay, you just keep coming back and waking up and, 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 and recognizing that. So then when you apply, when you apply effort to, to the object of meditation you use, then, then okay, you can choose a certain type of meditation which might balance out the particular way of of um, bhava that you're in, or, or tanha that you're involved in, and so you choose something like metta or a supa or, 
or anapanasati or in some silence or whatever, but it's appropriate to the end of suffering, the end of craving, the cessation of craving. It's appropriate to that. And that takes that just takes skill, wisdom, maturity. Yeah? But if the if the initial insight into what Niroda means in this very common way, Niroda will have I think levels of meaning, obviously, deeper and deeper levels of what that might mean, but just just your kind of uh, garden variety Niroda, where you see the, the end of craving, the end of self, just that, that, that insight then informs the kind of meditation object you pick up, informs the kind of effort you use in, in uh, focusing on the object of meditation, uh, informs how you can sustain that effort for long periods of time, because if, if you're doing it from craving, you can't really sustain the effort for very long. It just it just gets too uh, unpleasant, too very unpleasant. And that's where you get the states of, of, of well-being, because it's not from craving, it's from letting go into, letting go into the object of meditation. The, and, and this is, this I think is what you know, what we're pointing to when we talk about bhavana, we're developing the capacity of non-grasping, the, ca- the capacity to sustain present moment awareness. So if you're, you know, as you're, as you're walking around and, and you're moving the life, just, just really notice how much, how much of your time is skillfully in, uh, in the present moment, how much of it is um, Kind of regurgitating the past or, or producing future scenarios. How much of that is just 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 notice that, and and if 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 there is a lot of production of future possibilities and plans and catastrophizing and so on, then I think oh, there's a lot of volume there. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of pressure there. Oh, I see. So you're not rejecting it, but you are awakening to it. And then that 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 the sati sampajanya, that recognition of it, then you say, oh yeah, that's where I work. That's where I work. That's where I need to pay attention more. That's where I need to wake up more. It's not a rejection. It's always from wisdom. It's always from inquiry. Um, it, it's always from uh, the framework of suffering and the end of suffering. Where it comes from. Patience is usually is usually what what we're missing in just the ability to constantly frame our practice in this way, constantly bringing back to that framework, because that's a framework we've been given, that's a framework that works again and again and again and again, and applying our attention in that way. And then remembering to apply our attention again and again and again. So it's actually not that complicated, but the, the confidence, the, 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 the uh, what is it? It's, it's the, it's the, I think that third noble truth, you realize that that's it. You realize it's the end of it. Right there, the end of thought, the end of becoming, the end of self, right there, that's it. Rather than, um, than jumping into another form of bhavatana where you're trying to get something, non-becoming. And so, you know, I, I like to use that kind of language when I'm teaching meditation, non-resistance non-becoming. What happens when you when you just interject a little like it's a little like like coaching words, aren't they? You know, you kinda of coach yourself, you know, beat yourself up and 
So you, you pick up your object of meditation, you pick up the theme you like to do, and then you introduce language which would encourage you and help you to reflect on, on the second and third noble truths. So you say, non-becoming. Just a little word, and then you see quite often uh, kind of, or, or say non-anticipation. I remember once I was teaching and someone said, I said that, non-anticipation. They said, you know, whenever you say that, I feel anticipation. They were blaming me. But actually, they were just, they weren't noticing anticipation. It was just always a part of your practice. So you put in language like that, non-anticipation. And then that becomes like a mirror, and then you're silent. Notice what is the what is the effort? What is the energy? Non-resistance. What's that feel like? Non-resistance. Put that word in there. How does that feel? And you get a feeling for those those two, and then the the you know, the, the kamatan, how one. Well, you're not. You know, the object of meditation isn't fascinating. It's just very ordinary, like breath or whatever. So there's, you know, it's not like you're getting excited by it. So you have just those two: the resistance to or the anticipation of, both those. So in the beginning, the bhavatana is just so very loud and always thinking about the future or catastrophizing and so on. And then, and then the, and the resistance can be very, very gross too, just trying to get rid of stuff. But as your mind settles, and as you become more settled into the present moment, there's more, more, more sustained, uh, awareness of the present moment, you become more comfortable with your object of meditation, then that language is very, very useful. Non-becoming, non-resistance, you know, and then, the, and then you see the subtleties of anticipation, where it's no longer so gross, where you're just grossly thinking about the future, and it's no longer so gross where you're just trying to, you're angry at things, but now you see just a subtle resistance to some form of mental or physical discomfort, or a subtle always trying to look for some experience. Is this it? Is this it now? Again, not so gross in language, more like energy forms. So you see just the energy forms, and that's reflected in the body. So, so the full body awareness of, of what does like becoming feel like in the body? It's attention. What does resistance feel like in the body? It's attention. And so mind-body, you, be, you begin to see they're both very reflective of how one is putting forth effort. And as, as that reflection is more and more powerful, the subtleties of bodily tension, either from resistance or, or anticipation, they're seen, as they're seen, they're abandoned. As you see things, you really abandon because you don't want to suffer. And as you abandon them, the mind and body become more relaxed. The more relaxed, the more relaxed, the more still, the more still. So it's a process of refinement, but the insight is, 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 is always similar, always similar. It's about the abandonment of and the realization of the end of realization, cessation. Uh, so whether it's gross or subtle, that the those reflections on on, on, on formable truths are very, very helpful. And this way has to be developed. It has been developed. You know, it has like you you develop it for, for five minutes. It has been developed, that sense of yeah, I, I understood that. I understood the cause. I awoke to the suffering, I understood the cause of attachment, and the abandonment was necessary, and then there's a realization of cessation, and then I, and I cultivated that, I worked on that for, for a span, yeah, okay. And so you have the Four Noble Truths and the Twelve Characteristics. Suffering has to be realized, it has been realized. The cause of suffering has to be abandoned, it's craving, it has been abandoned. The end of suffering 
has been realized, has to be realized, has been realized, and the path has to be developed, has been developed. We begin to really see how those are not just sort of statements of finality that somehow come at, at some end point in the practice, but they're constant reflections. If it was just some kind of end point that you have to sort of believe in, then you could never reflect on it. It wouldn't be really a useful ongoing tool. But if you see them as actually ongoing reflections that you can, uh, this is not the only way to look at it, but one way to look at it, that you can always use and reflect on, they become very, very helpful, very instructive for showing you where, where you're at and, and what you need to develop. And then the confidence around them, you know, you, 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 you know how to awaken to, you make conscious the feelings of suffering. You begin to really know how to um, see where the cause is, you know, how to, and you understand you have to abandon the craving. As you, as, you, as you let go of the craving, you realize, ah, it's the end, of, the end of ego, the end of self, the end of thought. And you say, yeah, and you keep developing that, you keep developing that. And it gives you a little confidence. So you have both an intellectual structure within which you can contemplate and reflect, but then you have also a, a, an energy system that you can reflect on what the result of this is. So it's in, and then you get the results of that. The results inform you. You get kind of like a biofeedback mechanism going on. And so it encourages you, you know, you, you're encouraged by the very results of your, of your practice, of your life. You're encouraged by that. And that gives you more faith. More faith gives you more energy, more confidence to go into it, and more focus. So it's very, very, um, um, uh, it's a kind of beautiful self-energizing process. Very, very, very useful, very practical. Okay, I'll leave that for your reflection. <coughs> <coughs> Amen.